The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. All right, once again, I want to thank you for being here today. Glad you guys could join us, whether you're here in person or online. Um, this January, we're going to start a local outreach newsletter. Uh, we have a global outreach one that goes out every month, and this January we're going to start a local one. And so you can scan. There's a QR code. If you don't know how to work your phone, uh, you can go on online and go on the website. Uh, but we would love for you to kind of be a part. I think there's a QR code, right? Yep. Let's see. The QR code. Let's cue the code. Yes, there it is. Thank you. I uh, wish I could just snap my fingers. Uh, but there's a QR code. You can check it out. Get signed up for that newsletter. It can kind of give you things that have happened in the past, praising God for, things that are going on now, things that are happening in the future. And uh, we're looking forward to sending that out to you guys in the coming year. Also, I want to thank you again for your generosity throughout the year in 2023. Uh, most of you uh, may have gotten our newsletter, just kind of thanking you for all the gifts that you've given over the years, and especially this specific year for food drive and gift drive recently, but also just to the general fund. 20% of all that giving goes to missions and goes to spreading the gospel, not only locally, but abroad. So please consider TBC and your year-end giving as you're thinking about uh, just all the ways you can be generous this year. So we're looking at Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two, verse eight through 21, looking at the title, Invited by angels. So Advent is a Latin word, as we've been reminded of over the past few weeks, a Latin word meaning coming. And it's four weeks that's set aside to get us ready to hear what God has to say to us, uh, whether it's as a church, maybe as a small group, as a family, as a body of believers, as individuals. And each week we get to see what God did through his son Jesus and focus on that. Today, that focuses on joy and the joy that God brought through the sign to the shepherds. Last week, we observed that a man who fashioned himself as a god actually made a census and called people back to their hometowns. But today, we get to see and understand that this baby inside Mary was not a fashioned god, but was the god of the universe that we get to celebrate and enjoy today. You know, being the youngest of four kids growing up that way, I feel it my job and responsibility to mess with people, especially those with OCD, like uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, and my wife. And so today, we're gonna do a little of that and mess with you uh, if you like things in order, because we're gonna start in the back of our passage and then go back to the beginning. So verse 19. Mary treasured all these things in her heart. She treasured up all these things in her heart. See, Mary was a woman who considered things and meditated and, and really maybe caught things that I wouldn't normally catch because I'm kind of just moving to the next thing. What's next? What's next? Just kind of lightning speed, just going about my, my day. But maybe some of you are more like Mary and you actually consider what's happening. And so my request to you, as well as for me earlier this week and, and the last few weeks in preparing this, is to really just slow down and pause. All the things that are going on leading up to Christmas, the gifts you've forgotten to get or maybe you haven't gotten to yet, maybe put a pause on all that. And like Mary, maybe consider the things you're about to hear 
in more detail than you might normally would, just like Mary did. You look at her Magnificat in chapter 1 and verse 46. She writes this song. She sings this song after hearing that she would bear the Messiah. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord, just as we sang already. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. So she is considering what God has done and is doing. And we can do that today. So Luke 2a, going back to the beginning of our passage, it gives us the setting of this iconic invitation. It says in verse 8, the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. So some details to consider with this short little verse to help us understand the setting. The shepherds were in Bethlehem's economic region. So they weren't far off like the wise men, but these shepherds were close by in the surrounding area. And so they were shepherds connected to the village, just like David. Remember, this is the city of David. So these shepherds were probably in the same fields that David came from. They were most likely grazing on the stubble from the barley and the wheat that was harvested. And these sheep had a, uh, a great relationship with the shepherd. And the shepherd had a relationship with the farmer so that they could come in and kind of clean up the fields after the harvest. And so here they are in this time cleaning those fields. The farmers provided the food and the sheep provided the fertilizer. That's the way that worked and it was a great connection there. And the fact that they were in the field keeping watch over their flock by night kind of blows up the idea that you may have had as a kid or maybe even have now that the time of year we celebrate Christmas is the actual time Jesus was born. I'm sorry to mess with your old history. Maybe you're like, yeah, it was December 25th, right? Well, it's probably more like after spring, after the harvest. Because if the angel's coming to them in the middle of the night, at this time of year in that region, most likely the temperatures were getting down under freezing. And they were having to find shelter, but this wasn't the case. They were out in the fields in the middle of the night with their flocks. But either way, it doesn't matter. Jesus came and he was born just as it was said. Being a shepherd also was an occupation that was passed down from generation to generation. So you have most likely shepherds and you have some sons and maybe you even have grandsons and they're hanging out learning this occupation. And so even when this news comes and the angel shares this news uh, and, and then the singing that takes place that we're about to see that these generations get to spread this news and it goes out all over the place and spreads like wildfire. So in ancient Israel, shepherds were generally considered unclean in the community of God's people because of the work they did. They were in daily contact with dirty, smelly sheep. They were in contact with manure and with cuts and scrapes that had unclean blood and and just all the different things, the insects around. So they weren't often able to worship with God's people. They were kind of on the outskirts there, not able to jump in. They were generally treated as outsiders. So what do these details mean to the story of Jesus in Luke 2? Well, let's look at a few things that we can gather from this. It would be expected... You see, that the long-awaited birth of the Messiah, the Son of God, would be a great announcement, right? 
And this great announcement would come, and I don't know about you, maybe some of you have had great announcements along the way in your life, whether it's a, you know, one of the biggest ones you can probably come up with. Uh, we, we were a little late to this game, but you know, the, the gender reveal, you know, shooting a cannon off, whatever, watching a guy dunk a, a, a balloon, you know, filled with pink or blue, I don't know. Uh, lots of different announcements. If you're gonna make an announcement of, of the Son of God, if you're God himself and you're gonna do this, Maybe you think of like, okay, a press conference, you know, kind of like LeBron when he's built multiple super teams, right? Not to diss LeBron, he's amazing, but uh, hey, let's set up a, a conference so that all of you know the king has arrived, right? Or maybe it's a social media post, maybe Facebook and Instagram, and you boost it, you know, and you pay money to hit people all around and say, hey, I've come, or, or you hire an influencer and you, you slap it on TikTok, right, and get the word out and millions and millions of people get to see. Well, what did God do? What did he, how did he choose to reveal himself and his son? He went to shepherds in the middle of the night. It's kind of interesting, right? It's like, that's kind of odd. But it goes along with the story of the Bible and it actually uh, goes further to prove the authenticity of the Bible because if I was gonna write something that's fictional and kind of put it all together in a cute little package, I would not include dirty, smelly shepherds. And I wouldn't include especially that I'm gonna announce the birth of my son, the Messiah, to these guys. And furthermore, it it helps us understand, look, the writers of scripture, they wrote as they saw. They didn't clean it up. They didn't make it more appealing and sound better. They wrote it as it happened, and this is how it happened. See, this is no accident, though. This is a full-on demonstration of God's heart for the humble and lowly. It didn't start just with Jesus. If you go back in the Old Testament, there's humble, lowly people picked all over the place by the Father. Abraham, Moses, Noah, David, Gideon, you name it, all these people coming through. We're lowly, we're humble people, mostly that really had, in our view, no right to be lifted up in this way. And so God often reveals himself to the least likely At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus went to the synagogue in Nazareth and he read a prophecy about himself from Isaiah Isaiah, and it's found in Luke 4, 18 and 19. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, favor. And then he also describes the embodiment of his ministry when John the Baptist was in jail. And John the Baptist is wondering, hey, did I, am I about to give my life for this guy? Is he really the Messiah? And he asks that question. And Jesus' reply is this in Luke 7, 20, 22. And he answered them, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. See, the whole story is coming to the unlikely, and this is the way God designed it. Daniel Darling, in his book, Characters of Christmas, states, Christmas is a powerful reminder that what is important in heaven is often unimportant on earth. 
Oftentimes the things, the things that the world values most really don't have much standing when it comes to God. And the things that are kind of lowly, the things that maybe aren't drawing much attention, those are the things that are amazing to God. One of Jesus' primary roles lived out in his life is the good shepherd. See, God chose to reveal his son to shepherds first. And there Jesus is, living out his life as the good shepherd. The prophet Micah, 700 years before this actually happened, speaks clearly about Jesus coming as a good shepherd in Micah 5, 4 and 5. It says, he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure for now. He shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace. And in this passage, we'll see, he talks about the peace that comes from the Messiah. So we have this Messiah. We have the Savior. So let's look at this passage. And since it's Christmas season, I think it would be better for someone else to read the passage than me. So I have a guest that would like to share the scripture on the screen. So let's check it out. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So we consider these words of the poet Linus and the creator David Shaw, Charles Schultz, not David, Charles Schultz, who wrote those words. So you think about this Christmas season and think about Linus. And one of the things that I wanted to show that not just to have a cute little voice reading the scripture, but really for us to focus on what happened in that video. And some of you are way smarter than me and maybe you've learned this long ago. But I want you to think about what happened to Linus and his blanket when he said, fear not. Anybody catch that? Well, you may not you know, have seen it either, but you can see what happens. Charles Schultz designed this video so that the blanket, as soon as he said, fear not, he actually drops the blanket. This thing that represented security for him, the thing that represented peace for him and the ability to even get up on stage and recite Luke 2, he drops. And I don't think it's an accident that he does this. It's kind of interesting that he plays this out. You know, it's so simple yet profound. The proclamation that the angel of the Lord is about to declare is meant to help us see that this Savior is a con conquering king who's the embodiment of perfect love. As John states in 1 John 4, 18, perfect love casts out fear. 
Does that mean that if you fear anymore that you are sinning, that because you fear certain things that you're not right with God? No, that's not necessarily true. But we get to see the Messiah who came, who conquered fear. And so that even these shepherds who are presented with a a fearful situation of this angel warrior in their face can actually continue on even in fear knowing that the Messiah is coming. So it's a great testimony and a challenge for us to consider that as well. What's this amazing news he shared, verse 9 through 11? An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. See, the Messiah has come. We have the Savior, Christ the Lord. And if you were half awake this morning, you'd actually be clapping and maybe even shouting. It's okay, go ahead, you can clap. We have the Savior. Wake up. It's for real. We don't have to be so reserved. We have the Messiah. We have the Son of God. Some of you are a little nervous. What are we gonna do, go charismatic? Whatever, you can be excited. It's okay. The Messiah has come, the Savior of the world. It should bring a smile, at least a smile to your face. So when we look at this, we see him focus actually four times in this passage. He uses the word the Lord, the words the Lord. It's a combination of God's power and gentleness. The angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord was all around the angels. The angel calls him Christ the Lord. And in their obedience, the shepherds acknowledge that the Lord had showed them where to go. David Mathis puts it this way. Not only was the child sent from the Lord, but this was the Lord himself. Not only had the Lord of heaven initiated and acted to rescue his lowly people from their sin and shame, but he himself had come to earth, wonder upon wonder, and dwelt among us in our own flesh and blood, the highest made lowest for us. So where was he born? Again, we're reminded it was the city of David as prophesied by Micah, again, 700 years before it happened. It's the city of David, Bethlehem. You see, when Samuel the prophet went looking for a king, he went looking and went to Jesse, and Jesse was asked, where are your sons? And Jesse parades his sons in front of Samuel. But there was one missing, and Jesse didn't even include him. He didn't even bother to include the boy. And Sam was like, hey, isn't there another one? You got one missing? And he's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) David. He's out in the fields. Probably these same fields we're talking about today. And he brings David, and he's like, this is him. Here's the king. What's interesting, again, is the angel was sent to announce the birth of the king of kings to shepherds in the same fields. So he says it'll be a sign to you. God gives them what to look for. Not only does God give them direction, but oftentimes for us, we need a sign and these shepherds needed a sign as well. So he said, you're gonna find them wrapped in swaddling clothes, you know, and and that was not really unique. But the second thing was very unique, that you're gonna find him in a manger. 
Now, it's not like the cleaned up manger that we have today in our nativity scenes or on TV or in pictures uh, where we have some fluffy hay and it's made of wood. This is actually more likely a, a concrete block that was carved out. And that's what the animals would feed out of. And so once again, we see the emphasis of the lowly and humble. He didn't say you're gonna find him in a castle or a house or even a hospital. The Messiah will be found swaddled in clothes, lying in a container for feeding animals. The bread of life, exactly where he belonged. And so for us, we can see, again, his focus on the lowly estate, even where he was born. Verse 13 and 14 gives this news and it led to an explosion of singing. Look at these verses. Suddenly there was with an angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I love how this happened. That word suddenly, right? It's immediate. It happened right away, and so as the angel's speaking, I imagine these shepherds like just falling backwards, kind of like when Jesus was arrested uh, and, and before the end of his life, and those soldiers just fell backwards, and that's kind of how I imagine this happened. It's like suddenly, because it wasn't just suddenly like a few people started singing or a few angels started singing. This is a multitude, a heavenly host. This is thousands of angels belting out this tune, glory to God in the highest. And so we have these angels just exploding in in concert. So not only do the shepherds get a personal baby Jesus announcement from the angel, they and their dirty sheep are treated to a heavenly choir concert. So let's take a second to focus on what they actually sang. First of all, glory to God. This wasn't a message so that the shepherds could feel good about themselves. Remember, they actually were fearful and scared. This message first pointed to who? God. And who is God in highest? He wasn't one of those measly gods that people in the New Testament were worshiping, small g. This was the God in the highest. And then he says, on earth, peace. And as we looked at Micah 5, it gives us a clear understanding, right, of what he was bringing, peace on earth. Not through an army, not through an epic battle physically, but he's bringing peace through his own death. And it says, among those with whom he is pleased. I love that he illustrates the fact, and these angels illustrate the fact that God was pumped to share this news with these people. And he was excited because he was pleased with them. And so what was the shepherd's response? We can see that in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. I love the response. It's just like when the angels popped up to sing. Suddenly, they, the shepherds get together and like, hey, we've heard this, we've seen this, let's go. They didn't hesitate. They went with haste to see what was happening. 
And I think we can pause for a second and maybe think about our own lives when it comes to things that God does in us and maybe he reveals things to us and he pushes us a certain way and oftentimes it's good to seek advice and counsel from others. Like, where should I go to college? Or what, what uh, occupation should I have? Or should I marry this person? Are they right for me? And there's a lot of things that we probably should think about. But in this moment, there, there was something in them. Obviously, the angels said this, and they responded in haste. And for some of you in this room or listening online, some of you need to hear the fact that sometimes God is calling you to move quickly and not delay And not just weigh it and kind of balance it out and see if it works or see if it makes sense. Sometimes things don't make sense. Oftentimes, actually, things don't make sense that God calls us to. And here it is, angels appearing to us in the middle of our fields, in the middle of the night, and you know what they did? Man, they went with haste. They booked it, right, to get over there. And they shared their epic angel encounter. It's interesting that we're not told much about the encounter. You kind of wish Luke kind of included a little more detail here. They appeared. What did they do? Did they have a meal together? Did they talk together? Did he hold baby Jesus, each of the shepherds, and let their kids hold baby Jesus? We don't really know much. Because, again, it wasn't the shepherds being the focus, Right? What it is is the shepherds were the messenger of the great thing God had done. What they did was they shared and told what they encountered regarding this child. And so the response of those who heard was amazing in verse 18. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. It's interesting to think about that because you got to consider this. This is a multitude of angels, right? Thousands of angels. They're in the middle of a field. I don't know about you, but if you crank some music up, you're going to have people, maybe your neighbors, you know, hearing this music, right? And this is in the middle of the night. And so you think about these people that are on the outskirts of these fields hearing this angel sound. It wasn't like they had little noise-canceling headsets that they passed out to the shepherds. Hey, you guys hear this cool news, you know? The angels are going to sing in your ears. So there's people encountering this, you know, maybe it's like uh, some other lady, you know, like waking up in the middle of the night like, what's that noise? Is Bob, you know, having a party again, playing his music real loud again? It's like they're trying to figure it out, woken by angels singing. And so they all were just discussing and talking like, what have we heard? And here the shepherds are is like, hey, I know what you heard. I'm about to tell you what you heard, and you're going to hear it, and it's all about the Messiah. So going back to the question, why would God choose to reveal his newborn son to the lowly shepherds first? See, God sending the angels to these shepherds and having the angels belt out a tune so that the entire community could hear shows us a few things. First of all, God didn't want to keep it with the elites who could control the dialogue and access. You know, the kings and the rulers, you know, let's, let's have the access to this and maybe we can let the peasants pay some money so they can hear. No, this message is available to all. It's hope for everyone. God's, God wants many people to hear. It showed the Messiah was available to all, that his message of hope was for all people. 
but it also shows that the gospel is different. Once again, we talked about this a little bit, God reveals things differently. 1 Corinthians 1.27, Paul talks about this. He says, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He brings it to the lowly. He brings it to all people to show it's available to all, but also he doesn't do things the way it's scripted. He does things differently. In verse 20, we see what the shepherds did. What did they do? And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So what did they do? They glorified and praised God. See, this is a natural reaction for people that have truly experienced the Messiah. Some of you in this room wonder, you know, am I a, really a believer? You have doubts at times, which is totally normal, but you wonder, am I a believer? Do I really know Jesus? And this is evidence right here that you know Jesus. The evidence is that you actually live a life that brings glory to God. That your mouth speaks words that honor God. And your life is an ongoing progression, sometimes like this, sometimes like this, sometimes a couple steps back, but it's moving toward continually growing faith and honoring God. And this is what they do. They speak. So we can focus a little bit as we wrap up with the response to the shepherds. There's five responses they have. First of all, we saw that it was fear. The angel's saying, hey, don't worry, I'm not here to kill you because the angel was imposing. He's saying, I bring you great news. Second was acceptance. They said, let us go. It doesn't mean their fear ceased. They probably went in great fear. They just saw an angel that looked like a warrior in front of them and heard thousands of angels singing. But they accepted the message. Third, they obeyed immediately. They went with haste, they hurried, they moved quickly. It wasn't an easy obedience for them. It was difficult, but they still did it. Fourth, it was proclamation and excitement. They shared this story over and over again. And fifth, they praised God. They returned to where they came from, glorifying and praising God. So I want you to consider this question. What about you? Where are you in this response, this set of responses? Maybe you can consider today where you're at. Maybe you're stuck in fear. Maybe you started your faith journey strong, but something happened along the, day, along the way. Something kind of froze you. Something kind of you know, got its grip on you, and, and you're just kind of frozen in fear. And God is calling you today to step out and say, in your fear, I'm with you. I've sent the one who conquered all fear to walk with you. Maybe you're stuck in acceptance. Maybe a relative drug you here today and you're sitting here wondering, do I even accept these words? The words of Jesus and salvation Maybe God's calling you today to just simply accept and take that next step and trust in him as your savior. Maybe third, you're you're stuck in disobedience. God's called you to obey. 
He's revealed himself to you through his word and through the Holy Spirit. But instead of being obedient, you're stuck and you're frozen as well, hesitating to move. Or maybe it's proclamation. Your mouth is silent. When you've been offered the words of life, but the Son gave his life so that you could share. But instead, you're concerned about what someone else might think, how you might be looked at at work or in home in your neighborhood, and your mouth is frozen, silent, and you're called to proclaim the message. Or maybe you're also stuck when it comes to praise. It's interesting, in my over 25 years of youth ministry experience, it never fails year after year when I go to worship down at the Outback and I look around and the students are singing. As always, when I look around at the 7th and 8th grade boys specifically, some reason, they stop singing. And they used to belt it out and just be like, who cares, man? I'm going to sing and all of a sudden they get too cool. And I did the same thing. But it's like they're just kind of frozen, just concerned about what people might say. Maybe some of us are just like those middle school boys where it's like, I don't want anybody hearing me. When in reality, if you really know the gift you have in Jesus, it wouldn't matter what you sound like. It wouldn't matter who hears. Even yesterday, I'm with my dog walking along the lake trying to prepare for this. Got my phone out, my earbuds in, walking with my dog and people were walking up and I didn't even catch myself like they're probably thinking I'm nuts because they see my mouth moving, right? Or maybe they just think I'm talking to Rocky. Sometimes we got to look crazy. Sometimes we got to look ridiculous because we have the message of eternal life. It transcends any opinions it transcends any thoughts of who we are or status that we have. We're called to proclaim. The shepherds couldn't help it. They glorified and praised God and the people all over heard the message. Verse 21, we finish with this profound verse. Just as Gabriel declared it in Luke 1, he's called Jesus, Son of the Most High. Son of the Most High. You have access to this Son. If you've trusted Christ in your Savior, you have Him in your life. You have access to the Spirit. You have access to the Word of God. And what you're being called to today is responding in a way, just like the shepherds responded, open your mouth. What a great time to do it, to step out in faith. You get to hang out with family and friends this coming week. Some you might like, some you might not. But you're called to share. You're called to share the greatest story ever told. Let's pray. God. We pray, God, that you will convict us of our fear, that we're walk, walking in fear, not living in faith and just frozen 
and not acting. Lord, we struggle with obedience, acceptance, your message. Lord, I pray for those that don't know you today that they will respond even now where they sit to trust you as their Savior, to confess their sin and call upon your name and you promise to save them. Lord, that we will be ones who proclaim no matter what anybody else does, that we'll be faithful to proclaim who you are, unashamed of who you are and your good news for the world. Bless us even now as we sing to you that we will sing with all our hearts to the one who is the most high. We thank you for your sacrifice. In your name we pray, amen.